I'm Eric Ringel. And I'm Molly Putzig. And today we're happy to bring you the first ever episode of On The Go, an on-road transportation podcast with Clean Cities, which is your conversation on alternative fuels, advanced vehicles, and emerging transportation technologies that are transforming mobility as we know it. And here at the National Renewable Energy Lab, uh, a team including Molly and I have been working behind the scenes to imagine what producing a podcast on alternative fuel vehicles would look like. And we're excited to share that vision with you, our listeners. That's right, Eric. And for our first episode, we got to chat with two very special guests from the Technical Response Service, Stacey Noblet and Amy Snelling, about the latest trends in alternative fuel vehicles. But before we get into that, I want to give listeners a bit of context. If you're new to this space, the Clean Cities Coalition Network is a group of nearly 100 coalitions that work in communities across the country to help decision makers and fleets advance affordable domestic transportation fuels and technologies. And those Clean Cities Coalitions are coordinated by the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy's Vehicle Technologies Office. In the On The Go podcast, we'll be drawing on expertise from the Vehicle Technologies Office, as well as national labs like the National Renewable Energy Lab, Oak Ridge National Lab, and Argonne National Lab, and our industry partners, and of course, the Clean Cities Coalition networks themselves. Yeah, that's great groundwork, Molly. So with that, let's switch over to our conversation with Stacy and Amy to hear more about their role with the Technical Response Service and just what's been trending in the world of alternative fuels. Enjoy. Kind of want to start by having you tell us a little bit about your role with the Technical Response Service, especially for listeners who don't know who you are or what you do. So let's just start there. Sure. Thanks, Eric and Molly, for having us. This is Stacy Noblet. Um, we are a team of experts in, in really kind of all things advanced transportation and with a focus, of course, on on-road transportation. Um, we support uh, a number of different uh, efforts through the Vehicle Technologies Office. Amy and I are both with ICF, a consulting firm, and over the past 15 years, um, ICF, as the technical response service, has been providing clean cities coalitions and industry stakeholders and, and really the general public with information and resources that are both fuel and technology neutral. Um, these stakeholders can, you know, count on us to provide expertise on all vehicle types, applications, um, the fuels, the technologies, even, you know, idle reduction and fuel economy improvements. There's also, of course, you know, new mobility choices and emerging technologies that we're, we're happy to answer questions. Thanks, Stacey. And yeah, I know for me personally, when I am researching something and I get into any trouble, I'm having trouble finding information. I know I have the TRS to go to, to help me locate that. So some of the examples I have recently were trying to find historical information about electric vehicle use and I just got stuck, or looking at the cost of a liquefied natural gas station to actually build that. It was a little bit in over my head, so I could go to the TRS and get that information much more quickly because they're much more familiar with what all of that stuff is. Yeah, that's a good example. My name is Amy Snelling and I'm on the inquiry response team. So if any one of the listeners reach out to the TRS, I would be one of the responders that they would hear from. We have about you know, five other folks that staff the TRS and beyond that core team, we have our own internal network of transportation experts that we can tap for input on questions. 
we also have connections to DOE and national lab staff. So if we don't know the answer to a question, um, chances are we know someone who does and we can reach that person quickly. And kind of as, as Molly was saying, there's kind of challenges that people have in researching this information uh, with a portfolio of fuels and technology available, you know, evaluating options or kind of navigating the information out there. It's not always easy. So that's what the TRS is here for. We are the seasoned experts that are here to help. Um, and another key point um, he here is that members of the TRS are also part of the team behind the AFDC station locator and laws and incentive databases, which are two of the most used and asked about AFDC or Clean Cities tools. And that's, you know, by design, we have members that are involved in maintaining these databases to help us make connections between questions and data sets. Thanks, Amy. So for any listener who's not familiar with the AFDC, that's the Alternative Fuels Data Center, and it's really one of the most useful tools we have in this space. If you're looking for any information about alternative fuels, advanced vehicles, emerging technologies, that's a great place to start. It has information about all alternative fuels from what a specific fuel is to how it's produced, how you would actually use it in a vehicle or a fleet, to why you might want to use it in your vehicle or fleet. It also, as uh, Amy mentioned, has the station locator, which is this really handy tool that has all of the alternative fueling stations or charging stations throughout the United States and Canada. You can look at where all of those are. You can map your route from one side of the country to the other to see how far you could get or where you would need to go to get those, those fuels um, for your vehicles. It's just a really great resource all around. Yeah, and for all those reasons, that's why the AFDC is probably our most uh, used resource. And um, beyond that, we'll turn to national lab research or publications from NREL. Um, you know, if someone's looking for information on fuel economy, we can point to resources from Oak Ridge National Laboratory or um, fueleconomy.gov, uh, Department of Transportation, uh, BTS, or Bureau of Transportation Statistics has some great data. There's also Argon for vehicle costs or emission analysis, um, other federal agencies, EPA, uh, Energy Information Administration. You know, obviously, there's all these great resources out there, and the TRS is useful because um, we can help navigate all of that. Yeah, it sounds like you're a really great central location where people can go and navigate all that in one place. Um, that's a really key tool to have. It is, and one of the things that I think is super helpful for me understanding what's going on in the industry is that looking at the kinds of questions that the TRS gets over time helps us understand where the industry is trending and what's going on. So, Stacy, Amy, since you're the experts, what are the latest trends that you're seeing in alternative fuels industry based on the inquiries that come across your desk in, say, the last six months or a year? Sure. Well, certainly the last now, you know, seven months of most people's lives have been dominated by um, the, the current pandemic we're in and the impacts of, of COVID-19 uh, on transportation in general is is a, certainly a trending question and something that we field, um, I think, fairly regularly through the TRS, TRS and, and other projects. Um, that includes, you know, impacts on vehicle miles traveled, for example, fuel prices, which are currently low and what that, you know, how that might play into the alternative fuel vehicle industry. Um, vehicle sales, which are are down now, but but seem to be recovering. 
um, models that have been announced, but their release dates have been pushed back. This is particularly, you know, of interest for electric vehicles right now, as people are more interested in, in what's coming down the, the pike and the, the infrastructure development, installing the fueling and charging stations, you know, how that's been impacted. So a lot of, of the questions that we receive kind of have some, you know, some uh, tangent, I guess, related related to the, the current pandemic. Um, and as Molly said, it's helpful to see what the trend of inquiries were over time. Um, so I actually went um, digging through our database and, um, you know, one key impact that we've seen of COVID is the increase of e-commerce, and I'm sure people have seen and noticed, um, you know, surge of Amazon deliveries in their neighborhoods this year. And I tracked down what I think is our one of our first questions about Amazon. And it was a question we fielded 12 years ago asking, can I buy the CD-ROM from Amazon on natural gas vehicles? And while it's not exactly a hot topic now, it's interesting to see how far we've come. As Stacey said, our questions tend to be a bit more technical now. So more recently, we're getting questions related to Amazon or delivery trucks, delivery trucks that um, cover, you know, what is the impact of e-commerce on vehicle miles traveled and transportation energy consumption? And DOE and national labs are researching the energy impact of deliveries, exploring, you know, how do we move more efficiently, more safely, more cost effective? You know, is it more efficient that I have Amazon delivered dog food than if I was just to go to the store myself and pick it up? Um, and, and this <laughs> <Yes>. particular example, <laughs> yeah, DOE is finding that um, an increase in e-commerce does lower the vehicle miles tra traveled and energy consumption. The added miles from a delivery truck making an extra stop at my house is less than if I was to go out myself. Um, but there's a, like a lot of components to this research and lots of questions to ask in this field. Yeah, that's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot as most of us have been spending much more time in the home and getting a lot more things delivered. Um, so I'm curious, what are delivery companies doing to respond to this increase in e-commerce? Yeah, so uh, alternative fuels and smart mobility technologies can improve the bottom line for fleets, which is why in part we're seeing delivery companies making investments in alternative fuels or connected vehicles. Um, and continuing with that Amazon, Amazon example, they announced a partnership with Rivian, which is an EV startup, to have 10,000 electric delivery vans on the road by 2022. In longer term, that increases to 100,000 by 2030. Um, UPS is another example. They have a long history with alternative fuels through their rolling laboratory. They've also announced commitments to purchase 10,000 electric trucks um, other announcements from them are for 6,000 natural gas trucks over the next few years uh, with the use of renewable natural gas to achieve even greater emissions reductions. Companies like Walmart are investing in on-road vehicles and off-road equipment for their warehouses. So they've set an ambitious goal to electrify all of their vehicles by 20 and then are increasingly using hydrogen forklifts in their warehouses. So there's a lot of development in this sphere. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot happening in terms of alternative fuels and e-commerce and, and also obviously surrounding COVID. But I'm curious, uh, what other trends have you seen emerge kind of beyond what's happening around the pandemic? 
So certainly electric vehicles, you know, of, of all the, the fuels and technologies, you know, have been probably getting the most attention um, for the reasons, you know, one of the main reasons is all the alternative fuels have a place in transportation. Electric vehicles just happen to be a, a big focus for consumers at this point, for passenger vehicles. Um, so there's a lot of focus, uh, you know, certainly a lot of the questions that we field are around, you know, vehicle model availability, charging station growth, um, the benefits, the challenges, and so on. Um, building out, you know, the DC fast which is the higher power chargers as these vehicles are increasing their all electric range people are interested in traveling farther and um, charging at home is wonderful charging at work certainly helps and and charging at uh you know retail locations and kind of out and about but to move those vehicles longer distances the the higher power chargers are necessary you know not to go back to the pandemic again but these days a lot of people are taking more road trips rather than flying yeah. and and certainly visiting national parks um, and, and a lot of those parks are, are located in more rural areas that, you know, the electri electrical supply may not be sufficient for these higher power chargers. So it's, it's an area that's getting a lot of focus on what partnerships are needed, what technologies are needed um, to kind of build out this national uh, uh, network of EV charging stations. Um, some of the corridor work, so really focusing on those travel corridors, that actually links back to the the freight movement topic that Amy just got into and you know the station locator tool on the AFDC being a, a great way to identify where the stations are planning routes um, looking at those alternative fuel corridors and you know identifying where there might be gaps that need to be kind of addressed differently um, and bringing that to the attention of you know policymakers and, and infrastructure providers uh, to hopefully help kind of um, fill any any gaps in travel corridors. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really good sense of some of these interesting trends happening on the ground uh, with transportation. And I understand you get a lot of inquiries and requests for help, you know, helping companies navigate these trends. So I, I wonder if you might give our listeners a recent example of an interesting problem or question that came across your desk. Uh, what question did they have? Uh, and then, you know, what did that individual or company or agency take because of uh, the services you provide? Sure. Well, one that was forwarded to us recently was a Northeast utility contacted their local clean cities coordinator to see whether they could purchase an electric bucket truck using Volkswagen settlement funding. For those who might not know, the Volkswagen settlement, um, it might be more commonly known as Dieselgate. Over the several years, Volkswagen sold over half a million vehicles in the U.S. equipped with defeat devices that were designed um, to cheat on federal emissions tests. And it made it look like the cars were meeting emission standards when they really weren't. And in fact, they were exceeding it by a huge amount. So the major pollutant in this case was NOx emissions. Um, you know, eventually Volkswagen got Just caught, to clarify. Then, yeah, go Sorry, ahead. just to clarify. NOx is nitrogen oxides, just for listeners you may not know. Yes, great, thank you. So then um, after it was found out that this was what going on, the EPA issued three settlements to resolve the excess emissions. And in total, that's over 33 billion in fines, vehicle buybacks, other costs. Um, and one of the settlements requires Volkswagen to fund projects to offset the NOx, excess NOx emissions. And 
one pot of funding is for states, DC, Puerto Rico, and that amount of funding each state gets is based on the number of tampered with Volkswagen vehicles that were registered in that state. Um, so now getting more into the question, the way the settlement works is that in each state, a lead agency determines how they want to allocate those funds. And I mean, there's some structure to it. There are certain eligible projects that states can fund. Um, one of those projects is providing funding to repower or replace a class four through eight local freight truck. Um, and the utility wanted to know, does a utility bucket truck qualify as a local freight truck? Um, because it's certainly within that class range, but it just wasn't clear if it would qualify. So they asked their clean cities coordinator and the coordinator knew that they could leverage their network of clean cities coalition across the U.S. and see if any other states have weighed in on this question of whether bucket trucks fit into this particular funding category. And that's where the TRS came in. We helped the coalition pull together key definitions of class four through eight local freight trucks and various examples of how other states have handled this. And the coordinator then shared our input with the lead agency in their state who decided that bucket trucks would in fact be eligible, noting that the information provided helped to reinforce their decision. Yeah, that's a really interesting example. I mean, someone came in and they had a specific kind of question for you and you're able to step in and kind of do the background research to help them solve that problem. Um, you know, just out of curiosity, um, you know, I know you get a lot of you know questions across your desk. Um, is there one or two examples of a really crazy question maybe uh, you received um, you know, recently or maybe in the past? I think one of our favorite um, kind of odd questions is um, from someone who asked us if we could help them design an electric vehicle that also operates as a boat so that the person could transport themselves and their cow from California to Hawaii. <laughs> so were you able to help them answer that question or how did you handle that? That's one of those where we probably pointed them to more general resources around electric vehicles and the range. You know, this was actually from from years ago before the current generation electric vehicles. So, you know, the, the industry was quite different, but I think there, there was probably a, a happy medium between uh, referring them to factual resources and um, letting them kind of decide if this was a good idea or not. Yeah, I guess if we're hearing something in the news about that, uh, about someone making the trek with their cow across the ocean, we kind of have TRS partly to thank for that maybe then. That's right. <laughs> and then another, you know, question is, you know, what's what's a question from a while back? What's one from the vault um, that you got and that kind of shows how things have changed over the past, you know, few years? Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly enough, there's um, we'll go with this cow trend for a minute here. Um, back in 2011, you know, which certainly um, seems like a long time in alternative fuels uh, years since so much has happened. One of the questions we we got was how many cows are needed to produce renewable natural gas? And you know, who knew? But there is actually a really um, great report from the Department of Agriculture that included um, the renewable natural gas production per cow. So we were able to to answer this question, uh, point this person to AFDC resources on renewable natural gas, uh, and talk through you know kind of the the process there and help educate them a little bit more about um, but, about what goes into the fuel production. 
Maybe this is an opportunity to get those two together. We can go back and find the electric car cow guy and let him know how many cows he's going to need once he gets to Hawaii <laughs> to start his own renewable natural gas production over there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So much of our so much of our job is making connections. So you know, <laughs> it's a great example. Just for any listeners who have thought of a question while we're on here, cow related or otherwise, how can people get in contact with the TRS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, So our contact phone number is 800-254-6735. And then, of course, email is also available, and that's technicalresponse at icf.com. For those who don't want to kind of quickly jot those down, there's links from the Clean Cities Coalition Network website and AFDC. Um, So, yeah, just definitely let the TRS know what questions you have for us or um, whether topics you want to hear about. You heard it. Uh, reach out to the TRS if you have questions on alternative fuels and advanced vehicles. They'd be happy to receive those questions and help you in whatever way they can. Uh, Stacy and Amy, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your your insights with us. Thank you. We're happy to get the word out about the TRS as a fantastic resource for really anyone who has questions in, in this you know sort of world. Thank you both. So Molly, at this point in the podcast, we'll generally take just a few minutes to touch on news, trends, and tidbits to give listeners the lay of the land and alternative fuels. What do you have for us this time? So we have this really great tool on the AFDC that provides a simple way to estimate how much electric vehicle charging you might need in your area and how that's going to affect your charging load profile. That tool is called the Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Projection Tool Model, or EVI Pro Lite for short. As electric vehicles continue to grow in popularity, utilities and community planners are increasingly focused on building resilient energy systems that can support the added electric load from those that EV charging. But forecasting the best ways to adapt increased EV charging can be difficult. So to support that effort, researchers at the National Renewable Energy Lab expanded EVI Pro Lite with more analytic capabilities. Previously, the tool was limited to letting users estimate how many chargers and what kind of chargers their area may need to support an influx of EVs. In the added online application, those same users can take it a step farther to predict how that added EV charging will impact electricity demand or load shapes in their area at any given time. Yeah, well, that sounds like a super useful tool. Where can folks learn more about it? Yeah, so if you're interested in learning more, you can find a news article um, on the National Renewable Energy Lab website, as well as a recorded webinar that really dives into how to use that tool and what those updates do. So that's it for today's podcast. I want to say a quick thanks to the U.S. Department of Vehicle Technologies Office for the support. Also, a big thanks to Brittany Conrad, the podcast editor who brought these audio clips to life. And we want to hear from you. What topics do you want to hear about? Are there experts you think we should invite as guests to the show? Share your ideas with your local Clean Cities Coalition. You can visit cleancities.energy.gov to find that contact information and learn much more about Clean Cities and its partnerships to advance affordable domestic transportation fuels and technologies.